Welcome, cherished listener, to the show. That show being Episode 7 of Series 2 of Party in China. I am your caster of Pod, Party Parslow, and Brooke Yee, no concern. For here at Bytes.com, we cast only the very finest of Pod. When a weak and wet dawn brought the day of departure, that day, oh, that day I had so long been dreaming of, I awoke early to completely clean my flat, which was a complete waste of effort as it looked almost exactly the same afterwards. The only real difference was that now my back ached from mopping and moving furniture. I'd packed almost everything I wanted to keep into my backpack. I couldn't fit my huge, fluffy pink bath towel. The best I've ever had. It was so big, it might have been a blanket. And delivered the rest to Trevor, who appeared underwhelmed by his windfall. Maybe pink wasn't his colour. Or perhaps at this, the end of our time together, he didn't trust himself to show emotion. More likely, he was just still hungover from my boozy farewell. I then braved the increasingly worsening thunderstorm for a more than usually terrifying trip to Chengdu. The bus aquaplane down the highway so often, I thought the driver must have been doing it on purpose. But he didn't go, Whee! like I would have. The guidebook, and more importantly, Turkish John, had recommended the traffic hotel as it was next door to the bus station from where I'd leave the next morning for my side trip to the giant Buddha. It was a sound recommendation, a proper hotel, which charged less than half as much again as Sammy's guest house, but which had an elevator, small but very clean rooms, a terrific shower, and no weird and dodgy registration rigmarole. I hung my newly drenched clothes in the shower and tried to lull myself to sleep by reading the hotel magazine. It featured an article written in Mandarin but with an English headline. Chengdu Cuisine, a travel between mouth and teeth. Well, let's ignore the typo that misspelt the name of their own city and move on to... Chengdu has a list of mankmaid, that's M-A-N-C-M-A-D-E, mankmaid places of interesting and due to its unique geographical conditions, there are many beautiful natural scenic spots scattering at the surrounding counties. If we compare the extending mountains and jungles of Chuangxi Plain to the fair dress of Chengdu, then the crisscross rivers and lakes is the running blood of the city. The mountains grants Chengdu elegance and beauty, while the rivers make it vivid. Chengdu, a beautiful city, gestated by the mountains and rivers, is crossing time and space and emitting long charm and vitality. Well, in that time and space, Chengdu was emitting very little charm, but plenty of vitality. The storm was horrendous, like a cyclone in Australia, and things didn't look good for my trip to Luchon in the morning. 
I'd been advised that I wasn't going to see anything of the giant Buddha at Lushan if it was overcast, and calling that sky overcast would be the biggest understatement since JFK said visiting Dallas gave him a headache. Disappointed, I went back to bed and turned on the television. The first thing I saw was an ad for the Chengdu Mast Tumor Hospital. Now, I'd never previously heard of getting a tumour on your mast, but it sounded painful. Not as painful, but perhaps equally unpleasant, was David Beckham's grin next filling the screen. Not that he's particularly unsightly, I was just sick of the sight of him. Of all the foreign famous folks selling crap in China, George Clooney, Amy Adams, Pierce Brosnan, Natalie Portman... Daniel Craig, Nicole Kidman, plus innumerable American basketballers. Mr. Posh Spice is the most egregious. His face adorns hair products, sports products, toothpastes, foodstuffs, clothing, stationery. He's unbelievably popular and caused riots in Beijing at personal appearances which were shown on the television news. The only other person I saw as often as Beckham was a cute young woman who happily points at her genitals. She points at them on trains, buses, TV, billboards. My best guess is that she's actually pointing at her bowels, which, although unseen, now work properly again thanks to whatever it is she's advertising. Or maybe it's period pain. I don't know. Another good one was for antiseptic cream. A young man takes his fiancée's hand and she cries out in pain because her finger is infected. Seeing her disgusting imperfection, the boyfriend balks and leaves her. The weeping woman is consoled by friends who thoughtfully provide her with the antiseptic cream and the ad ends with a wedding shot so soft focus they must have smeared the lens with the antiseptic. I guess the tube of cream was her something borrowed. As I lay in bed listening to the almost constant thunder, I flicked through the stations in case there was a movie on in English. You could often find random selections like Aaron Brockovich, Arcala and the Spelling Bee, or Loopers. But no luck. Channel 5 is always sport, usually basketball or table tennis, but that morning it had a clip show which could have been entitled Funniest Near Fatal Sporting Mishaps. On our video shows, the host insists that nobody was hurt, so it's okay to laugh. In China, it's considered funnier if somebody is hurt. In a couple of successive clips, filled with canned laughter, a diver did an impressive somersault which ended with him cracking his skull on the diving board and plummeting ungainly and unconscious into the pool. And a motocross rider went over the front of his bike and tumbled down a mountain, hitting every rock and tree possible along the way. As he lay face up at the bottom of the mountain, his bike bounced down after him and landed squarely on his balls. Each of these was replayed with a voiceover scorning the victims, literally 
adding insult to injury. <laughs> channel 11 is Chinese opera. Quick, change it, change the channel, quick! Channel 13 is what I call the Justice Network. It's either a very stern policeman reading news about horrific car crashes, murders and fires, all with fresh corpses on display, as well as security camera footage of various robberies, beatings and stabbings, or courtrooms where ne'er-do-wells are being sentenced to long stretches in prison or sometimes death. Some weep and beg for mercy, others are stoic as they're led away. China kills more of its citizens than any other nation. But if you tactlessly mention that fact, as I often did, they'll point out that the USA is worse per capita. And that, of course, the nation with the most people is going to have the most bad guys. Everybody gives that same answer, practically word for word and in English. Channel 14 is exclusively for the Army, which includes the Navy and the Air Force. Newsreaders in full uniform introduce stories about tanks and sailors and commandos and helicopters and regiments of marching automatons, etc, etc. Channel 15 is soppy music videos with skinny androgens with stupid haircuts dancing in an allegedly sexy manner. Nauseating. Channel 16. The We Hate Japan channel. China has produced an apparently endless procession of films and TV shows set in the 1930s and 40s during the Japanese occupation with villainous Nipponese soldiers being thwarted and often garroted by heroic peasants resisting the evil invaders. Yes, you can find such a show on just about any channel any day, but on 16, it's 24-7. On channel 17 that morning, I found a repeat of the hugely successful The Voice of China, but only stayed for a minute or two. A weedy young bloke in a morning coat decorated in blue and pink hyacinths above shiny winkle-picker boots was singing a ballad while surrounded by dancers dressed as Marie Antoinette wearing blindfolds. I am not making this up. He seemed upset when the judge thought he should have done something else. I thought he should have been shot. There are many other news channels, advertorial channels and dozens if not hundreds of soap operas and dramas and comedies and talk shows, none of which I could understand even a bit. After lying down for an hour or so to see if my back got better, it didn't. I chose to brave the rain and go for a walk along the raging river. Maybe exercise would help. There are three rivers in Chengdu, so I'm not sure which one I walked along, but within a few minutes I found a main road called Renminlu and realised I was only around a 15 or 20 minute walk from the Shamrock. Maybe Guinness would help. On the way to the pub, I exacerbated my back pain when I was forced to leap out of the way 
of a careering, careening motorised rickshaw with a fat woman steering her way through the crowds, probably finding pedestrians easier to intimidate than buses and trucks. Fortunately, Guinness did help. After several doses, my back still hurt, but I didn't care anymore. Upon emerging from the shamrock quite late, I found the thunderstorm to be considerably worse. I waved at a few taxis, but they didn't wave back, so I yelled at another couple, which woke a woman who had been sleeping in the back of her motorised rickshaw nearby. She immediately harassed me for my business, and although normally her chances would have been naught, I thought any naught in a storm and acquiesced showed her the hotel's business card and squeezed into the back. Next thing, we're accelerating to warp speed while weaving through thick oncoming traffic and across crowded intersections against red lights. But it wasn't until she took to the pavement, scattering saturated passers-by, that I realised she was the one who'd nearly killed me earlier. But I'd been in China for a year now. I could handle this. Adopting a nonchalant attitude, I used the toothpick from the BLT I'd enjoyed earlier to attempt to dislodge a bit of bacon from my front teeth. Just then, she hit turbocharge and launched us off the pavement into a gutter, making me stab the toothpick up my left nostril. As I bent forward in pain, she mounted the opposite pavement, causing me to jolt backwards, where the metal bar that served for a chair back belted me above the right kidney, precisely where my back was already in spasm. Taking my agonised groans as signs of encouragement, she increased her velocity from dangerous to demented and soon skidded to a stop outside the wrong address. But I didn't care. I just wanted to get out. She overcharged me and sped away to ruin someone else's life, leaving me in the downpour lost, but somewhere in the same neighbourhood as the hotel, or at least the same city. Finding what I hoped was the same river, I followed it in what I hoped was the right direction, soon coming upon a middle-aged woman who looked like a Chinese Liza Minnelli. But not Cabaret Liza, Arrested Development Liza. <laughs> she was sheltering under a tree, trying to get her umbrella open. With a smile, I gallantly opened it up for her, but instead of taking it back, she stepped underneath it with me and whispered something I couldn't quite catch. Seeing that I didn't understand, she said it louder. I knew she was asking me if I wanted something, but I didn't know what. Realising that I still didn't understand, she mimed her question, bending her head forward, holding her fist up as you would with a microphone, and moving her head up and down over it while swirling her tongue around her open mouth. Now I understood. She wanted to thank me for my help, by buying me an ice cream cone. How nice. Still to come on Party in China, the delights of brunching with a panda. 
followed by the torrential trauma of my last few hours in Sichuan. I'm Party Parslow. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Party in China. For more, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.